We are continuing our sermon series called The Season of Thanks, and to let you know where we've been, because this is actually the last Sunday of the series, we started off on October 31st, uh, all numbers series, with 24-7, how we can be grateful 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We talked about 10 to 1, the, the uh, Jesus encounter with the lepers, where he heals 10, but only one came back to give thanks. And then we talked last week about 10%. It's pretty common to give 10%, but my challenge and question to WordServe is, which 10% are we giving? Our last 10% or our first 10%? And then today we're going to talk about 100%, and I guess you can't, <laughs> I bet you can't guess what we're talking about when it comes to 100%. Man, we got to be 100% all in this thing. If we're going to get the benefits of being a Jesus follower, there's no part-time Jesus follower. We're either in or we're not. And then when we're full in, there's some things that we can expect to encounter. And some of them are good, and some of them are not. But it, this is the way it is. So as we go in forward to this 100% idea, uh, this 100% idea of giving thanks is what I'm going to focus on this morning. How many people are familiar with this guy? Technically, it's a statue, I know. But it represents Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln did a very peculiar thing in the year 1863. As president, he issued a presidential proclamation to the nation declaring a national day of thanksgiving. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. He wasn't actually the first one to say that, and it didn't make the federal holiday. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt did that in 1941. But in 1863, Abraham Lincoln said, you know what? It's time that this nation declared a national day of thanksgiving. Now, for those of you who are history buffs, what was going on in 1863? Yeah, and right in the middle of the Civil War. This was the worst war in American history because every loss on either side is a loss of American life. The, the casualties were horrendous, and this was in the middle of the war. It, this was not a done deal. This was not like victory is assured. Nobody knew what was going to happen. And what does Abraham Lincoln do? Declares a day of thanksgiving? That doesn't sound right. Why would you declare a day of thanksgiving in the middle of a bloody war? doesn't make any sense. Either he's delusional or he's a Pollyanna type of person. Now, to, to take it out of Civil War context, you probably know someone like this. And if you don't know anybody like this, maybe it's you. But you know these people, right? The ones that go, like, yeah, this is me trying to act like everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you just kind of pretend you put your plastic smile on and everything's good. Um, we're not going to acknowledge anything. I'm just going to give thanks. Oh, uh, I, I heard you had a bad doctor's report. Yeah, but I'm giving thanks. That, that's the plastic smile, right? Yeah, I heard there was another mass shooting. Oh, but I'm giving thanks. Really? I think you're a psychopath, right? The, the, the challenge here is we all know people, or maybe we try to do this because we think that's the way that Jesus wants us to behave. Because Scripture will tell you that you have to give thanks in all things. That's the Scripture we're about to read today. Spoiler alert. Give thanks in all things. But I'm not thankful for all things. Does that make me a bad Christian? Maybe, maybe not. Hang with me here because we're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you're not familiar, that's this far back in the book. If you want to play or everybody looks at apps, let's be honest. Just Google 1 Thessalonians. You'll find it right there. But we're going to be reading 1 Thessalonians. <clears throat> and uh, I just turned the page on that. 
1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. Now, let me set the stage for Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, because the church in Thessalonica was one of the most persecuted churches that Paul shepherded. Nobody liked them. Nobody wanted to hear their ideas. Nobody wanted to hear their witness or whatever. They were very much persecuted, and sometimes uh, to the tune of like they would lose business because of their beliefs, if not just be ridiculed on a daily basis. And so Paul is writing with a lot of support here, and this is what he says in verses, uh, verse five, or chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. In the face of persecution, listen to this. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Why would Paul say, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances? There it is. I warned you, it's coming. There it is. And this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, in my personal opinion, this is where Christians go, I'm not a good Christian if I'm not giving thanks all the time. Because it says right here that this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But there's an important word. Words are important. Notice what it says. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, not give thanks for all circumstances. Oh, there was a mass shooting last night? I'm not grateful for that, but I'll try to be grateful in that as we begin healing. Got a bad report from the doctor? I'm not grateful for that cancer, but I will try to be grateful in the fact that God is going to work in this, that a community is going to come together, and that they're is a possibility of healing. I'm going to be grateful in the fact that God has his hands in everything. There's nothing that surprises him. There's no place I can go that he's not already at work and, and working through this. There, my, my mother had a plaque. We just talked about this in the men's group. My mother had a plaque that used to hang by the kitchen window. And it said this, God is into happy endings. So if you're not happy, it's not the end. Now think about what that means and take it to the extreme. Maybe I get healed from my cancer. Maybe I don't. But is that the end? Not in Christ. There's, a, there's something even beyond that. I lost my job. I'm devastated. My self-esteem is in the pit. That's not the end. I'm not getting along with my coworkers. They think I'm a freak because I follow Jesus. Yeah, you know, that's an opportunity for witness. That's not the end. God has a plan. God is at work. Never is it the end in Christ. There is no end in Christ. If you think about that, that's the only thing that is everlasting. Whatever trial, whatever tribulation you're going through has a shelf life. It will end. The only thing that does not end is our relationship with Christ. So that I can, I can get on board with giving thanks in all circumstances because I know it's not the end. What is, is not what will be in Christ. So it is possible to give thanks in all things, but we're going to pick these three apart because there are three key things that Paul is telling us. He's telling us to rejoice always, he's telling us to pray continually, and he's telling us to give thanks in all circumstances. So let's back into all of these. I'm going to go in backwards order. We're going to give thanks first because, after all, it is Thanksgiving, right? So here we go. Give thanks in all things. Notice in all of Paul's commands, there's a 100% language being used. 
let me let me read them for you again here. Uh, rejoice sometimes? No, always. That's a hundred percent. Praise sometimes? No, continually. That's a hundred percent. Give thanks in some circumstances? No, all circumstances. It's a hundred percent. We're all in or we're not, and that's the way Paul is saying. He is he is a hundred percent in. Now, here's the interesting thing about giving thanks. You don't give thanks. You, you, let me back up. You give thanks in response to something. Like if I said thank you to you, it's probably because you did something. Hey, thank you for that card. Thank you for bringing that meal. Thank you for mowing my lawn. Thank you for giving me a ride. Something that has happened in the past tense. So in essence, what Paul is doing here is he's doing a very powerful thing. He's connecting us to our past in God. So the next logical question becomes, well, then what has God done? What's God done for me lately? Well, there's that whole dying for your sins and defeating the power of sin and even death itself, but that's easy to forget in the day-to-day, isn't it? Well, it shouldn't be. I mean, if we're praying continually, that should remind us, but I'm getting ahead of myself, right? So that's what God has already done. Now, the the beautiful thing about the day-to-day is God has done amazing things. God has sent his Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit provides us guidance, provides us comfort, provides us an advocate with the Father. God is at work in everything already. So when you put it in that perspective, it's easy to say thank you for what God has already done. I think for me the challenge is seeing it in the moment, and maybe even the greater challenge is carrying that thanks forward as things don't go maybe the way I thought they should or in the timeline that I thought they should. Anybody else have that issue? Like God works on my timeline? <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't. <laughs> and, and by the way, God always does what I want him to do. How many people have that? Yeah, why are you laughing? Right? Yeah, because you know it's true, right? God does what God does on God's time. That's the way this works. So giving thanks in all things is a great way to remind ourselves of what God has already done. Now, you may be thinking, that's all very good church answers, Bill, but I need real life. Well, let me offer you some suggestions. It's all written down in this book in my hand. This book is widely available. If you don't have one, we would love to put one in your hand. It's also available on free apps like YouVersion. You can read what God has already done in millions of lives in this book. You're not a reader? That's okay. Talk to people who have been through stuff. If you don't know anybody that's been through stuff, you're living in a bubble, my friend, because stuff happens all the time to people around us. Find someone who's been through the fire that is still a believer in Christ and say, how did you do that? Where was your source of strength? How did you hang on when it was so tough? And you will find out what God has already done in their lives. And maybe that's what helps us to see. Once we've seen it at work in someone else's life who's recognized it, maybe I can start to see that in my life as well. I could tell you hundreds of stories just in my life. Now, okay, that's the benefit of having a few trips around the sun. But I could tell you hundreds of stories in my life as I look back where I've seen God's hand at work. It's amazing. Many of you know that I had, years and years ago, I had a collapsed lung episode. I was 800 miles away from home. My brother, who was also in the Air Force, was 1,200 miles away in his own Air Force base. And guess where we ended up? In the same place. In the same, neither one of us knew we were going to be there, but he was able to come and visit me 
as I was recovering and be my advocate. Neither one of us knew that was going to happen. What are the odds? Like, I live here. He lives here. I was down here when it happened. And we ended up same place next day. That's, that's Amazon Prime type of God, right? <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. And I could go on with hundreds and hundreds of examples. <clears throat> and if you buy me a cup of coffee, I'll give you 100 examples. Buy me two cups of coffee, I'll give you about 1,000. I can talk really fast, right? But I'm telling you, it, God has already done things. God is already doing things in people's lives. All you need to do is ask a simple question. How did you do it? Where did you see God? And you'll know that God's at work. So we give thanks in all things, not for all things. Does that make it a little more palatable? Is that a word? Okay. I got from my, from my vocabulary expert, yeah. Excellent. All right. So now we're going to pray continuously. Again, notice the 100% language. It's not pray some of the time. It's pray continuously. And you're thinking, Bill, I don't have time for that. Like, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. Um, good breath, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. Um, what else can I say? No, it's not, it's not rote, memorized prayer. It's continual conversation with prayer. Now, why does Paul say to pray continuously? How many people are aware of how much this world is in your ear? These, oh, I, I left my phone on the chair. How many people have a phone? How often does that thing alert you to some piece of information that you just can't live without? Like, like every two minutes, right? I literally was in a meeting the other day, and someone had their phone, and they didn't silence it. And so it was that little, um, I don't know, even know what the sound is, like the pomp. That was the, the tone to alert them. It was like, whomp, whomp, whomp. I was like, would you whomp up? Yeah, <laughs> turn that thing off. I can't even hold a thought, right? So there's a thousand pieces of information coming into us all the time. But here's the thing about praying continually. How many people have ever tried to communicate over a, a radio, like um, aircraft radio or a walkie-talkie or ham radio, right? What happens when somebody on the other end holds down the microphone continuously. Yeah, uh, right? In, in, in flying terms, we call that a hot mic. And occasionally, people will screw up the settings and they'll go hot mic. And so they're talking to the entire world and you can hear them. Sometimes it's hilarious, right? I, I could tell you some stories there too, but not in church. All right, so they're talking continually. Well, the problem is nobody else can get a word in edgewise. In fact, this is so effective, it's even a wartime strategy. We have planes whose sole job is to jam communications, and they do that with a barrage of energy that keeps them from communicating. Why does this apply to prayer, or does Bill just like to talk about airplanes? <laughs> Here's how it works. If I'm praying continuously, I have a hot mic to God. The enemy has no place to get in my ear. Think about that. If I'm praying continuously, the enemy can't get in my head. Now, I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not very good at this praying continuously thing because, let's just face it, I'm stiff-necked and stubborn, and I think I can do it myself. And guess where I get in the most trouble? When I stop talking to God on a regular basis, when I give the enemy that little sliver of information to put in my head that then turns my attention away and basically ruins my day, if I let it. But here's the good news. All you got to do is push that mic button and hold it. 
And there is no more information that's going to come in that's not filtered through the voice of God, the voice of truth. There's even a song about that, right? The voice of truth. So continual personal fellowship. There's no room for anything else. And not only that, but think about this verse. And this is how it'll blow your mind if you're talking about giving thanks. The creator of the universe wants to have a conversation with me. That's something to be grateful for. So we pray continuously. We rejoice always. This is tough. Oh, that cancer diagnosis, you're asking me to rejoice in that? No, again, I'm giving thanks in the circumstance, not for the circumstance. But again, the 100% language comes in, rejoice always. One of the reasons that Paul focuses on rejoice, if you go back to his uh, writings in Galatians chapter 5, 2021, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Guess what one of those fruit, uh, how one of those fruits appears? Joy. And so that's how I know. That's my acid test. If I'm not connected to joy, I'm not connected to the Spirit. How many people have ever experienced a pinched nerve? Yeah. Well, okay, so I can tell who's young here. All right. <laughs> How many people have ever had an arm or a leg fall asleep because you sat on it funny? There we go. Okay, now we're connecting, right? So you know that when something is pinched off, it's supposed to work, and, and now it's been pinched off, it stops working the way that it should. When Christians are pinched off from the Holy Spirit, we stop operating the way that we should. Now, it's an easy fix. You just stand up and you wait, and then there's that momentary period of pins and needles in your legs when you swear you're going to die and you want to just cut your leg off, and you walk funny. <laughs> Anybody else do this? Right? I'm just worried about throwing my knee out. Right? But eventually, it all comes back and it works just fine. This is good news because the Holy Spirit can do the same thing in our lives. If we will reconnect to the Holy Spirit, it will begin to flow. It will begin to produce that fruit of the Spirit again. And you will, you can experience joy. But that's partly our decision. Do we connect or do we not? Now, I'm not preaching Pollyanna here. I'm not saying just pretend like everything's good because everything's not. In fact, that's one of the reasons that I love Jesus. Because he tells us not, you might have some trouble in this world. Jesus tells you, you will have trouble in this world, maybe even more so because you follow me. And despite all that, by the way, rejoice always, says Paul. We can rejoice in our suffering. This is out of Romans 5, 3, 5. Again, more of Paul's writing, but watch the chain of events that happens when we lean into the suffering and not try to just make ourselves a victim here. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Pretty sure Paul is a psychopath at this point, but keep reading. Because we know that the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame. Uh, some of your translations may say hope does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's what God has already done. He has poured out the Holy Spirit. He's poured out his love through us. And because of that, we can rejoice even in our suffering. Well, how does this all tie together? Well, here's my personal theory, uh, and that is not my handwriting. It, it's much better than mine. But here's a, a look at the past, now, and the future. 
And the reason I think this is important is where we get picked apart is either in the present, because we're so overwhelmed, or we start to doubt our past, or maybe our past defines us in a negative way, or we're very anxious and doubtful about the future. There's many ways that the enemy can attack us in this. But when we pull all of this together, when we circle the wagons, we have a strong defense. So here's how I think this works. If you look at the, the connection between the past and now, that's where giving thanks becomes so important. It solidifies that bond between past and now because if God has worked in the past, God can work in the, in the present. If God was faithful then, God is faithful now. If God's love was steadfast then, God's love is steadfast now. That's a connection that can't get broken. And it, the, the enemy will try to break that because the enemy will remind you of a different past. Hey, remember that time when you sinned? Yeah, remember that time when you let God down? Yeah, that's who you are. No, you're not. Not in Christ. Christ will say, that's not who you are. That's why I came. That's why I died. You are made new in me. So that link, uh, link gets solidified. By praying continually, that's what I said before, this doesn't give the enemy a chance to get in my head in the present. He can't butt in. By rejoicing always, we're, we're taking and paying that forward. Because as we read in the Romans verse there, when I, when I rejoice always, that's the process where that perseverance produces, uh, or excuse me, the suffering produces the perseverance. The perseverance produces the character. The character produces hope, hope that does not disappoint. That's a solid thing. That's a guarantee and something that I cannot see. In fact, uh, there, there's a verse on that as well. In Hebrews, now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That seals it all together. We are impenetrable in our defense. 360-degree protection, 24-7. There's no way the enemy can get in there. Now, that's in a perfect world. I will tell you that the enemy will get in there because while he's not very smart, he's very crafty. He's not very original, keeps doing the same things over and over, but we have a short-term memory. And it's easy for us to break any one of these chains at any time. The challenge is not to always stay here, because I don't think that's possible for us. The challenge is to recognize where I got a chink in my armor and seal it up as quickly as possible. How do we do that? Well, by giving thanks, by praying continually, by rejoicing always, 100%. And that's why that 100% is so important, because if it's less than 100%, we are leaving ourselves open. That's where the enemy will strike. So in 1863, oh, sorry, uh, let me give you some practical steps first. You may be asking, I want to practice giving thanks all the time, Bill, but how do I do that? Cool thing, on our website this time, uh, uh, this afternoon it will be posted, the sermon will be posted under sermons. I'm going to put a link on a one-week exercise in gratitude that you can link onto online. But here are some other suggestions. We've talked about a gratitude journal. Uh, the reason I love gratitude journals is when you write things down, it causes you to slow down and appreciate. It also creates a record so that you can go back later and see where God's hand has been at work. The hundreds of examples that I tell you about are because, uh, well, we've lived some life, right? And if you write them down, you'll remember, and then you'll have a story to tell. I'm grateful for exercise. How many people are going to be with family this Thanksgiving? Beautiful. How many people pray before Thanksgiving meal? 
I hope I didn't throw anybody under the bus there, right? So before you pray, consider this. Everybody around the table just says one thing that they're grateful for. Now, if you're, uh, I know WordSurf is a church of introverts primarily, so it's good if you tell them about a week ahead of time that you're going to ask this question so they have time to think, right? So it doesn't come out, I'm grateful for uh, Pepsi, yeah. I was looking for something deeper, right? So this is an exercise that you can do with your family. Hey, this Thanksgiving, we're all going to say one thing that we're grateful for. You got a week to think about it. I challenge you to do that. Uh, also, gratitude alarms. You remember the, the phone that I talked about that was going off all the time? What if we set those alarms like, I don't know, let's start with twice a day. Does that seem manageable? Morning and night, like the psalmist said in the, in the opening. And every time that alarm goes off, you write down something that you're grateful for. And if you can't write it down, uh, at least be aware of it. What if we did a gratitude spiels? What does that mean? Well, that means that I take the story of, of my gratitude and I condense it down into that elevator speech. If business people are familiar with what this is, it's like a 30 to 45 second nugget that I can say on the way to the parking lot. That's my, my, my goal is I can tell you between the door and your car of how I'm grateful to God because of all these things that I've encountered. So that when people ask, how can you be giving thanks in all things? Well, let me tell you, let's walk to your car. Hey, and 30 seconds later, they've got my spiel. That's always something you can use. And then finally, gratitude devotionals. Uh, there's a, uh, an app called YouVersion, Y-O-U-Version. If you're not familiar, I encourage you to get familiar with it because they have hundreds of Bible reading plans for free. You can download one and subscribe to a gratitude devotional. And every day, guess what? You'll get a reminder. And that reminder will tell you to read this devotional, read these scriptures. You can check it off, mark your progress. You can even share it with people. So if you have a group of people that you want to do this with, why not come together and all subscribe to the same devotional? Now you've got something to talk about over the table other than football. Not that football's evil. It's just not all there is. <laughs> Somebody says, what? <laughs> That's not all there is? <laughs> okay, now, this guy in 1863... In the middle of a bloody civil war, he's either delusional or he's a disciple. Because while he can't see the end in sight, he, he knows that there is a God who is working to heal. He can envision a day by praying continually and giving thanks for what God has already done where there is a hope that will not disappoint. That hope that might heal a nation and bring us back together. Turns out he was right. Now, Abraham Lincoln is not in this book. So how does this apply to us? Funny you should ask. Starting in the upper left, this is Abraham. Okay, technically it's a painting of Abraham because it's really hard to come by original photos of Abraham, right? <laughs> Abraham, with just minding his own business, had a great deal of, well, God says go. He says where? He says, I just start going, I'll tell you where. Okay. How do you do that? Unless you understand that there is a God who is going to guide you, a God who you can hope in that will not disappoint you. And through this covenant is how everything starts. There's a guy on the, the right top called Noah. How much faith would it take? How much would you have to believe that God has a plan at work to build an entire ark and be ridiculed by everyone? You're so dumb. You're not even near a body of water. And Noah's going... <laughs> Wait for it. It's coming. Because he had that hope. He, he, re, he rejoiced in what God was doing, even though he was being ridiculed. 
He had seen what God had done in the past. He had an inkling that God was going to do something great in the future. How about down on the lower right, Jesus himself? You think he was grateful for the cross? Mm, I don't know. I think he was grateful in the cross because he was fulfilling the Father's plan. All the stuff that he went through. I, I don't know that I would read scripture as saying, oh, he was grateful for that happening. He was grateful in that happening because his mission never changed, and that mission was to save you and I. And we wouldn't be standing here today if he hadn't pulled that off. I'm grateful for that. The only one then that remains is on the lower left. What's your story? How will gratitude play into what you do? Will you be able to rejoice always? Will you be able to pray continually? Will you be able to give thanks in all things? Not without a lot of effort and a lot of support. And that's why we're here. So I encourage you in this Thanksgiving season as we wrap up this series to give thanks in all things. To pray continually and to rejoice always. Some will think you're delusional. I will think you're a disciple. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and his example. Thank you for the countless examples that are recorded in Scripture of people who had seen where you were at work and trusted you in that, even though we don't understand, God. People that pray continually, that listen for your voice and follow it, even when it doesn't seem to make logical sense with this world. God, I pray that you would help us learn to do that as well, that as we continually pray, as we continually walk in the steps that you have directed for us, that the enemy wouldn't have any place to speak into our ear. No words of discouragement would enter into our hearts. No word that causes us to stray. And when we do, to recognize that there is grace that pulls us back because of your son, Jesus Christ. God, as we go forward and as we continue to worship you in this hour, pray that you would speak to our hearts in that way. Help us to understand that you are who you say you are. What you've done, you're continuing to do, and you will continue to do. There is no time and no place where you are not, and there is no time or place where your love cannot guide us, reach us, comfort us, and support us. For that, we give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.